0: Welcome to the Justin News Podcast. My name is Justin Cross. Oh man, I'm sorry, guys. I've been gone for a little while. I know I have some loyal listeners like, like Vernon. Vernon's my man. He uh, he's like, wait, wait, you haven't done a show in a few weeks. What's going on? You, you, you gotta you gotta feed the listeners. You know, you gotta give us some porridge. We're hungry. And I said, you know what? You're right, Vernon. That's why this week my guest is Austin Freyrick from the Open Markets Institute. Uh, He used to work in the Department of Treasury in the Obama administration, and he wrote an article recently, in all places, The American Conservative, a magazine for people uh, who aren't me, uh, about the American farm industry and how basically all of our food comes from like four companies, and like two of them are Chinese. So uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. And um, so we talk about that, and we talk about monopolies kind of in general. Uh, Austin also ran uh, for Congress last year, and so I talked to him about what it's like to, to unfortunately, lose an election. And, uh, and he, he would dress up like the monopoly man. That's how much this guy loves talking about monopolies. It is, as he says, his catnip. His catnip. Some people dog people. Austin's a cat person. This is his catnip. He dressed up as the Monopoly Man. I ask him, most importantly, if he still has the Monopoly Man costume. And if he ever, whether it's a Halloween party or just for the hell of it, does he dress up like the Monopoly Man? And, uh, and yeah. And then I, uh, what else? Oh, I tell him about my love for Sabaro, The, the pizza place in, uh in all airports in this country. And then he, like, you know, pisses on my parade by saying, well, it's probably owned by, like, a major monopoly, you know. Like, yeah. Anyway, uh, check it out, guys. Please subscribe. Tell your friends about the podcast. I can't wait uh, to be, as we get closer to the election, I will be interviewing candidates on the local level, uh, on the national level. Maybe I'll even get a candidate running for president who, uh, I mean, there's, like, a thousand of them now, so, you know, it's not exactly like a Whoa, he got a presidential candidate. Like, yeah, well, you know, I isn't I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Stormy Daniels is going to run. So, which Stormy, by the way, if you're listening, I'd love to have you uh on the podcast, okay? Just to be clear, on the podcast. Just I want to know, you know, I want to know the good stuff. Uh about, you know, Yeti Pubes. Toadstool. No, I'm kidding. I don't want to know about that. Maybe, maybe I'll ask you about why, like, what, what are your thoughts on Michael Avenatti? Like, why isn't he running for president? Like, how crazy is that guy? Who's crazier, Michael Avenatti or Donald Trump? Probably Donald Trump, but still. I'd love to talk to her about that. Anyway. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, hope you enjoy the podcast. Subscribe, like it, tweet it out, and uh, uh, I-, I love you. Welcome to the Justin News Podcast. My name is Justin Cross, and today my guest, uh, he's the Director of Special Projects at the Open Markets Institute. He also worked in the Office of Tax Analysis in the Department of Treasury, and I interviewed him uh, last year around this time. He was a former candidate in Iowa's 3rd Congressional District. Austin Freyrich, thank you for being with me.
1: Well,
0: thank you for having me on, Justin. Nice to talk to you again. Uh The reason i wanted to talk to you this time around is that you uh you're a very smart guy and you've done a lot of research uh into something that that we're all affected by which is monopolies and of course monopoly a game we all grew up playing yet only a few of us in real life actually get to play uh and you wrote an article you're a a democrat uh but you of all places wrote an article for the American conservative, um, a, a publication, I'll be honest, I'm not, uh, subscribed to, but, uh, <laughs> I've, uh, you, you wrote about the U S farm system and how it's essentially controlled by a handful of companies. And I'm just curious, I know you're, you're, you're from Iowa. Like what was, what was the motivation, I guess, behind this in tell us a little bit about like why you decided to write the article in the first place.
1: Yeah. So this article, um, Honestly, it's it's kind of a it's something I've been mulling in my head. I kid you not, probably since last summer. of Just seeing all this, just kind of seeing all this decay and all this broken food system, and kind of like, how did it get here, and where do we go from here? And this article was one of those things where you know, when you like, you're working on a joke, you're working on something, it's just not quite right, and you just. And just kind of bothering you You put it on the back burner Then you come back to it a month later That's how this article was Right Because um, it actually first started off as I wanted to write how I thought rural poverty has converged with urban poverty mm-hmm. And like just how those two parts of America Even though it's kind of like Black Jeopardy the SNL skit <laughs>
0: <laughs> You know what I mean? Like the yeah. Tom Hanks
1: character like There's a lot of parallels there that I don't think people totally realize. So the article started off like that, but then it kind of morphed and grew into honestly, like, why I think, but like, kind of like my vision. Like, this is where, this is how I think you take on these agribusiness monopolies, is you stand on the side of farmers and workers.
0: You said in the article that um, a handful of multinational corporations basically run the entire food supply chain from vegetables and seeds to, like, peanut butter. Like, I mean, yeah. are you telling me, Austin Frederick, that Jif isn't just an honest blue-collar farmer in Des Moines? Is that, is that yeah. what you're telling me?
1: Peanut butter is the one that actually blew my mind. There's, like, honestly, two of those um, really stuck out to me, and peanut butter is one, because Smuckers has, like, a 50% market share. And what they do is so they have, like, the brand you know that, like, I'm not sure if Jif is one of those. It probably is. It might be Cal but they have that like peanut butter we all know. But then they buy like those organic bougie brands like Justin's.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then a lot of times too, they'll make the star brand, Let's the not brand,
0: let's so, not hate on Justin's. Let's just not. I mean, I nah, know
1: I've uh, actually never had <laughs> Justin's to be fair. But um, but even the organic, any kind of top tier product, they do Like the, their whole ecosystem is they want to get the low tier shopper, the middle tier, and the high end shopper. Mm-hmm. And it's that illusion of choice where you think you're these different companies or even you're like, oh, I'm going to support my by organic. No, that's false.
0: Right, right. Um, and that, that's probably the big thing of
1: this is, to me, you see this, the power is the worst in this space in, in uh, meat packing? Where you have like, take Tyson's, like, if you're a chicken farmer in America, you don't even own your own chicken. Tyson's leases you the bird. Right. Um, sells you the feed. You grow it, you babysit it, you sell it back to them. They weigh it in a room you don't see. They pay you based on who adds the most weight. So, if I add, you know, whoever adds the most weight gets paid the most. But if you talk back, you know, I can just give you the run of the litter, Justin. Mm -hmm. So you get paid the least. You know what I mean? Like, it's a very vicious cycle.
0: And and it, it, it suppresses the wages. But does it, I mean, isn't there a benefit on the other side, though, where it's like, well, you know, you this the cheapest chicken you can buy is from Tyson's or from you know Hormel, isn't? I mean, isn't that the benefit though?
1: So that's the argument that's been made for the last forty years. We've been operating under Robert Bork's theory on monopoly. Um, Robert. So it's funny in that American conservative piece, they're pretty good at the piece, except they a uh, few of the lines I cut of mine where I refer to Robert Bork as Nixon's hatchet man.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, people. People might know him from being rejected from the Supreme Court um, after President Reagan nominated him, but he was also the guy who on Black Friday, um, well, not Black Friday, Saturday Night Massacre, I think, Right. when Nixon wanted to fire that independent investigator, uh, he was only one, he fired a bunch of people, and he was the only one at Justice one wanted to do what Nixon wanted, mm-hmm. which in this moment, I think the parallels there are saying a lot.
0: But I was going to say, w- <laughs> would that be the Roger Stone of today? <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: it's like taking advice from Roger Stone. Also, like, <laughs> the guy was a bigot, a sexist, you know, homophobe. You look down the list, and that, that man is who we're operating under for our monopoly framework right now. I mean, that alone should disqualify Right. It. Like, his whole argument is big is okay because you pay lower prices. Mm-hmm. The problem is even that logic is false. There has been studies showing that prices go up. I mean, just, like, if you have two companies sell – Control a market, or like sell eighty percent of the coffins in this country. The market is not competitive, and they're gonna charge you more. That's what's been happening.
0: And, and that's just basically because there's less competition. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If let me tell you this:
1: if mean, your business, you don't want competition. You want a cartel. You want to control the space so you can charge a premium.
0: So, so actually, you mentioned something funny. So you said cartel. What's what is the difference? between like a monopoly and a cartel I mean is it just the fact that like this is we we're not talking about building a border between Tyson and you know uh Iowa like it, it, like what's the difference yeah, that's a really good
1: question I mean uh I use monopoly kind of broad term broad base um I mean there's more technical languages like cartel all, all, you know oligopoly, um all those kind of to me monopoly is just a company with a lot of power Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the way I use. I, I kind of view it in comparison as the word queer. How queer is kind of all encompassing for not straight,
0: right? Right. Mean
1: monopoly is just someone with a lot of power.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I got to ask you too. Is you mentioned so we've talked a little bit about how it hurts wages in a, in the the farm industry. How um, these monopolies or cartels or, or whatever we're calling them uh, also hurt prices when it comes to when you're at the grocery store. Uh, what what's like the human cost and and, i mean like i know you you mentioned like in the article your mom owned a bakery your dad was a beer salesman so as you write you you basically that that resulted in you eating a lot of cookie dough while sitting in a blow-up beer chair which sounds fucking awesome i mean i just want to say like that that was basically my entire college experience of florida state right there so uh that sounds amazing
1: i didn't realize how unique that was growing up like our house is full of leftover beer merchandise, and, like, I used to go to, like, pool class in school with, like, a cooler light beer tunnel.
0: <laughs> when I read that, and, like, I was I just like, not, that's, a, that's the coolest, what? like, childhood right there.
1: It, is, it was fun. I mean, and we used to, like, hand this stuff out to our friends, you know? you The funniest one was, remember those fish tanks with water bubbles that come out the bottom? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like, uh, we, I had one of those, but it was like in the middle of the fish tank thing was a big smear ice bottle. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, 12-year-old me is like, but it was fun. Mm. Uh, I mean, the whole point, I tell these stories is both of my parents had a lot of autonomy in, their, in the, those jobs. And yeah. so my mom ran the bakery the way she wanted, and my dad, my dad's work was based on commission. So, you would know white yuppies, if this was a grocery store or gas station a white yuppie part of town, they love Blue Moon. Yeah. So, you know, he had merchandise, Blue Moon, whatever, that kind of thing. Um, they were allowed, they were trusted to make decisions they thought best. But whereas, like nowadays, you go do into any Target, the Target doesn't trust their employees for a second. Right. Um, they are told where to put each item on the shelf. Everything is coming from some McKenzie consultant in Minneapolis, some 24 year old who went to Ivy League school or something. Mm-hmm. And then workers just. You're just a number in an Excel sheet. And that's very dehumanizing and just that lack of respect.
0: Do you think that, like, are all monopolies bad? I mean, like, when it comes to, you know, like, for instance, this is just a hypothetical, Austin, all right? But let's just say. Uh, I've been dating a girl for a little while, and I'm feeling like it's time to consummate the relationship, okay? And I'm responsible, so I am going to go make sure that my knight is wearing some armor. Um, But I still have the shyness level of a 16-year-old boy about to lose his V-card and buy some bulletproof vests off Amazon, right? Like, is that... What's wrong with that? There's
1: nothing wrong with it. I mean, it's... No, I mean, here's the comparison. This is going to be, a- let's go down this weird analogy road since you started it. Like, let's take the whole organic Michael Pollan food thing. The whole notion was, let's, we don't like this corporate food system. We don't like Safeway. We're going to create our whole alternative food system. And you choose to op- put it on you. You choose to opt out. Yep. The problem is, you walk into any co op in America or Whole Foods, it's all been co opted by the big boys. Mm-hmm. Every brand you see is owned by Smuckers or whatever. Like, me not shopping Amazon isn't going to be a huge difference. It's, these are structural things. This is about power. Right. Do we want, I don't care if it's good or bad, do we want one person to have this much power? Right. Right. And because we know when with concentrated economic power, it corrupts the political system. You know, that's the funny thing about Mark. the Silicon Valley was, oh, these were good Robert barons, but all of a sudden not Mark Zuckerberg's bad. Who cares if it's good or bad? That one man controls our media ecosystem. Right. Do we want one man who's never had any other job in his life to determine how Americans get their news?
0: Right, exactly. Like it's a
1: really scary thing for our democracy, and he's killing local news.
0: Especially a guy who's as socially awkward as Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, do we yeah. want <laughs> that guy, of all people?
1: I mean, he's an easy example, but like you said, I mean, Amazon does offer good products, but that's not the argument is... Are they good or bad company? It's about power. Right? Does do we want to allow these? Someone have that much power in our society?
0: So so how how do we change this? Because like you said, it, it, we've we've talked about how these monopolies suppress wages. Uh, they hurt prices when you go to the store, uh, or even Amazon. Sometimes uh, they affect. There's a human cost, a, a dignity aspect to it. Um, but what like. How does this, I guess, bleed into politics and on the other side of that, like what, what can just regular people start to do about this to change some of these, you know, some of these laws?
1: Yeah, so like there's honestly the simple thing of using the word monopoly is really powerful. Um, just talking in sheer terms of power, who has power and why? And you can use that even at your local level from your school district do you buy your food from the local people or do you sign a contract with Cisco? Right. Right. Um, you got to think in terms of those power and then where is that money going? So you can do anything from push your local school districts to how do they procurement, how they buy stuff to, I mean, a lot of this is also discovering like dusting off old laws. We don't need to write new laws here. It's just, it's like a forgotten muscle we haven't worked out in a while. It's been dormant for 40 years. Mm -hmm. A lot of state AGs don't even really have a full-time antitrust attorney.
0: Right, right.
1: So there's, like, no one looking for any scandals. Just asking your state AG, being like, hey, do you have an antitrust office? Do you have one on staff? Maybe you should double it. Things like that, like, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: just using these words again and kind of really – Find lights. I mean, a lot of it is just finding a flashlight to look into these dark spaces that got really corrupted because no one's been looking.
0: Mm-hmm. What changes would you want to see when it comes to antitrust law?
1: Um, honestly, just let's just throw out this old Bork model. I mean, my organization, Open Markets, what we argue is essentially return to the old Brandeis model, the old President Wilson, um, you know, Teddy Roosevelt a century ago, where um, we put control. We we essentially think like the Federal Trade Commission is there to regulate markets, make sure they're competitive, make sure no one company sells you know, 60% of pacemakers, block mergers. Um, that's what I would like to see, is just actually see the FTC enforce com- competitiveness in our markets, but also, like, let's change the way we do antitrust, Right. going back to this diffusion of power.
0: Right. Do you feel like uh, there are candidates who maybe have – have uh, gotten elected maybe this time around, or or that may already be in, in Congress, uh, who uh, writing writing laws or, or uh, uh, standing beside laws where they would really protect consumers and and and, and go after these big corporate mergers.
1: Yeah, I, I totally like. I mean, even from even at the presidential level, you have Senator Sanders, Senator Warren, Senator Klobuchar. Have all talking antitrust monopoly at some point recently?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, that, that's huge. I mean, we we weren't even use this word. You might do some weird Google search where you see like a huge spike in the word.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but
1: um, but even like um, I was speaking with the the congresswoman who won my race um, last week, and she was just, she's flying all the time out between D.C. and Iowa, and like anyone who flies into a non hub or major city. Knows how horrendous it is. Like, I could, you could probably go to Europe cheaper than it is for me to go to Iowa from DC. Mm-hmm. Yada yada yada. She was just com- She complaining about it to me. She's like, and she kept saying airline monopolies.
0: Right, right. Which
1: to me is like you know my catnip. I was like, yes. Then do you use that word monopoly? <laughs> um, but but then like it's figuring out. Well, what do you do? Like a lot of what going back to like the muscle that hasn't been exercised. Figuring out well how as a Congress member, can she exercise power? Right. How can she... I mean, but a lot of this was done by design, too, where, like, Duke Gingrich cut a staff levels, did a lot of these institutional things to depower individual offices, so he had all the power in the leadership office.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: So it's, just, it, it's all about that. It's reinvigorating that muscle. Uh,
0: this is totally... Uh, unrelated, but you mentioned, Air- does your Iowa, does your, I don't know if it's Des Moines or where you fly into or out of, but does it have a Sparrow, the pizza place? I have a what? A Sparrow. You know what I'm talking about? The pizza oh, yeah. place? Oh, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, They used to be all over the malls in, in Iowa. I I haven't seen one in an airport in a while. Why?
0: I just, I actually, honestly, that is one of my favorite places to eat, just in general. Yeah. And I know last time we talked, I think it was when you were on the campaign trail about you had a fascination for some. I think it was like gas station hot dogs or oh, something. Pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's right. That's right. So I just, I didn't know. Like, I just, I love Sparrow, and I didn't know. Like, I've never flown in or out of like Des Moines, but uh, I just want to make sure that I can, you know, if if it's going to be a costly flight, at least I can get, you know, some uh, some mid tier pizza. While I'm there.
1: Not to be like on brand here, but like I'm pretty sure most of the airport food anymore is done by like some conglomerate called like some monopoly like, HM or something. Damn. Like, it's all been contracted out.
0: Damn. You're really raining on my parade right now. I mean, first it's the Sparrow pizza. And now it's it, or before it was the Justin's peanut butter. So I I really have nowhere to turn for I guess I I should just shop like at at my local farmer's market basically.
1: But that's, I mean, that, that's, first of all, you should. I mean, it's better to give your money in your community. But, like, the hardest part, and, like, even writing this article in American Conservative is most people haven't seen the pay raise, you know, in decades, your student debt, whatever. You're like, sure, I like good food, but I can't afford to, buy, to pay twice as much for my, my meat right now when I'm paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? That's what, that's what's broken. And I like I don't want to ask people like it's hard it's really like, people know it's the right thing they know they know it's probably better for you it's better for the community but you know what if you're barely getting by I get it
0: yeah and that's
1: that's just like the sad frustrating
0: part well I mean so many of these these big fast food companies I mean they set up shop in the poorest communities because they know they can oh, of course. and it's in so that Dollar feeds, and that's a total cycle right because then I mean those are the worst types of you know, they pump these animals for, full of hormones. Then, you know, people put it in their bodies, and they end up developing a lot of uh, illnesses and, and diseases, like at a quicker rate or at a higher rate than the average, you know, consumer or, or certainly in affluent communities. So it's it's just it's like crazy cycle, right?
1: It, it's the biggest example. Biggest taste difference I personally notice are with eggs,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like farm fresh eggs. First of all, they're, like, orange, and they taste way better. But it's that shouldn't be... I had this really dumb realization, like, a year ago, where I am like, oh, wait, organic just means... Because I always grew up thinking organic was, like, a bougie thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... It was the blue moon. Oh, wait. <laughs> of chicken. Yeah. The
1: blue yeah. moon. The blue moon chopper. Yeah. Uh, but it's really just the way we used to grow things. Yeah. And now that's only reserved for a certain class of people.
0: hmm
1: It's something that... It's, I have a hard time talking about it, but, like, take. Going back to Iowa, I mean we are now the fourth most obese state in the country. And like you could probably get a better locally sourced meal in like a, you know, New York, D C LA than I could in a diner in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Yet, you know, I'm surrounded by the world's best farmland. Mhm.
0: Mhm. That's wild. It's all
1: just I remember being in a diner in in Iowa being like this all this food on the diner menu is Cisco food.
0: Mhm.
1: Mhm. It's tasteless. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know, it's just We should raise – that's the moment – the hope I have in this moment is that we use this coming trust-busting moment because we're going to have to reckon with the power of Google, Facebook, Amazon and all that. Right. Right. To like rethink our food system where like getting your green peppers from Argentina is not – doesn't make sense with climate change. Following – so like when he does that, your whole phone blows up.
0: That's awesome.
1: But it's like a devout – like an open socialist posting an article from an American conservative saying – I think I agree.
0: That's amazing. You know what I mean? That, that's
1: what's amazing is like my old Iowa Grappa can love this article as much as, you know, Berkeley chef Alice Waters.
0: Austin Frederick, that is is—that is the bipartisanship we need in this country, and you are making it happen. <laughs> yes. I mean, honestly, that's, well, right, that's totally, actually really cool. It's like, that's, up, I mean that. It's,
1: it, but that was fun. But that took time. that That's rhetoric. A lot of what this article is, honestly, is just here is the foodie vision, for, you know, framed in a blue collar way. Yeah, yeah. Don't talk about like don't. A lot of food culture has a very classist language to it that I don't think they really grapple with. And if you just talk about farmers in Iowa, used to get thirty eight cents on the dollar in the eighties, so now they get fifteen. Workers haven't seen a pay raise. Yet these company CEOs are taking off. That's a powerful, simple message.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I gotta ask you uh, before we finish up here. Uh, you you ran in, uh, like I said, Iowa's third congressional district. Um, tell us a little bit about like what it's like to be not a candidate anymore. Like, what's it like to be, like, how was that, and and what was that experience like? Um, obviously, y- you didn't win, but like, how does it feel to be like to have done it and then to like now be away from it? Um,
1: that's a good question. It's it's one of those. it, it, it was painful to kind of realize, but it just that moment wasn't my moment. You know when you're ready like you just you, you think it has to be now. you hustle your your part of my French ass off. but then you realize like, oh, this just wasn't your moment. you need more time to polish up. Um, it's but it's also I'm really grateful that I think about halfway through the campaign, something like a switch in me clicked where, Regardless of what happens, I have to tell my kid one day I ran for Congress. Mm -hmm. How do I want to tell that story? And doing that, I just I got more there's more balls to the walls after that point. It was let's touch these third rails. I mean, part of this whole the whole my conversation on food and agriculture is I'm going after Iowa Farm Bureau, which is like the third rail Iowa politics. Like this is the largest single largest agricultural organization in America has ninety million dollar yearly operating budget. And that was, I don't know, something about doing that and just, where you kind of, you win by losing, or right? you know what I mean, the message carries on, people use it, and who knows, we, we live in such a volatile time, and I think we're dancing around a really nasty recession, who knows what's next. Yeah. Gosh. You wanna be able to hold your head high. You know what I mean? You don't wanna just run for the sake of vanity. You, you wanna be like, I moved, I at least know I moved the marker a little bit ahead
0: you dressed up as the monopoly man do you still have the monopoly man outfit (laughs) and if you run again will you will you wear it
1: we 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 have the outfit i never quite dressed up as uh, i was good we're gonna have a young volunteers do it but i still i kid you not i still i used to run in iowa um with a monopoly board i would hold up saying we got to use this word yeah and uh we kind of like put it on one of those like you know, little frames that hold up things we kind of put it on that in our house <laughs> <laughs> it's like a prize
0: report i don't know why. it's kind of stupid i think it's funny that's awesome oh well, Austin Frederick, thanks again for being my guest here on the justin news podcast and uh make sure to check it out if you're listening to this in uh, the american conservative and uh yeah we'll chat with you uh, maybe around uh the iowa caucuses sure
1: sounds like a plan
0: all right thanks a lot